finished an incomplete episode of the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast, we thought it'd be fitting to interview a truck driver because it was National Truck Drivers Appreciation Week last week. We chose my favorite truck driver, my dad, Mark Stoffer. Hope you enjoy this unpolished and incomplete episode of the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. Thanks for listening. One of the first things that I'll ask you is, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a little background. Oh, I was born and raised on a farm, and and my ties have always been with, you know, as you know, with rural living and and somewhat isolated, and and with that, always had to learn how to get by and make do, and kind of be content with what you had, and kind of lived up, you know, grew up in a simple way of, of uh, life with, you know, relatively low stress and, and just kind of medium expectations and, and, uh, but uh, found it very gratifying to, and, uh, and have no regrets for having been raised, uh, you know, in a rural kind of farm setting. So when you say rural, yeah, rural farm setting, tell tell people about how Idaho a little bit. How Idaho is basically just a community, uh, rural farming community. Uh, you know where your neighbors are uh, used to be a mile apart. Now it's you know a little closer. Maybe your closest neighbor now is a half mile away. But <laughs> grew up in a community where uh, you know you, you for the first. Uh, Ten years of my life, we didn't even have uh, telephones. Right. And uh, we got telephones when I was, you know, just in junior high. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big thing for us. Of course, everybody else had had telephones, you know, since birth. But right. uh, so telephone was uh, something that kind of came while uh, while I was in middle school, and and uh, and of course that cha- was kind of a change of page for us. It mm-hmm. brought communication in to where you could communicate on a daily basis with uh, with people rather than just if you saw them or bumped into them right. in town or at church and of course raised in in, um, in a Christian family with uh, uh, you know with uh, Christian parents and attended church uh, pretty much all of my life and the same small kind of community church and, and uh, knew everybody and uh, and, and there for a while was related to just about everybody, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, <laughs> and in a sense still am. Right. But uh, but we have uh, a lot of people have moved in, and mm-hmm. uh, and of course it's uh, the rural setting is not what it used to be, but mm-hmm. but nonetheless it's still a a lifestyle that many uh, choose and and find satisfying, and I, Len and I are. My wife and I. That's uh, that's what we we find uh, very we're very content and, and satisfied with uh, mm-hmm. with the rural living where it's uh, thirty miles to buy a gallon of milk and seventy five <laughs> miles to get auto parts. So you know it's uh, but but it's just something we've dealt with all our life, and so it's something that we've grown accustomed to. And and so when you go to town once a week or every ten days, you. You fill the car up and, and bring her back with everything you're going to need. So yeah. you, it's just mm-hmm. a lifestyle that you you get used to. Right. <clears throat> I think uh, you're talking about the phone. 
I think if, yes. when I was born, I was born in 1980, I think it was still a uh, party line for the whole town, for the whole community. I think <laughs> if I remember, I, people have told me that. There was, there was options uh, there for a while where some people were on a party line and, and you had to share that line with others and, and you know, you, you shared your calling time. Right. But uh, it wasn't long after that that they, they came back through and updated everything and everybody had a private line and, and, but yeah, yeah, there for a while, uh, that was an option. You know, if you wanted <laughs> to have a, a lower monthly bill, you could share a line with two or three other people. Yeah. And you had to learn, you had to learn your ring because, uh, it was, uh, you know, the, you had a certain ring too long and a short or something like that was your ring and somebody else's would be just the opposite. So, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, but it wasn't long before everybody had, had their own phone line. Right. And it, it changed really quickly, too, because with the advent of, like, well, I remember, gosh, I don't remember how old I was. Maybe I was in fourth or fifth grade, but they were laying the fiber optic cable and that eventually sure. brought Internet and all that. Yeah, it, it's been a, a slow process, but uh, that's been one of the things uh, that uh, that I think with the government grants that these local phone communities or phone companies have been able to come in and, and uh, make sure that even out to the to, to the most remote areas uh, have access to internet, and I think that they're they're not quite there yet, but they're they're sure getting there mm. to have uh, fiber optics out even out in the rural communities and get everybody connected to mm. I guess what they call the World Wide Web. <laughs> now you're a uh, truck driver. I am a truck driver, and it's National Truck Driver Appreciation Week. Okay, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's what you told me, and I appreciate the fact that you alerted me to that because I would have went right by and I never would have realized it. Dang it! Um, <clears throat> how long have you been driving truck? I have been driving truck for nearly forty years. Uh-huh. Forty years. Um, two thirds of my life have been spent behind the steering wheel of a truck, basically. Two thirds is that what you said? <laughs> yeah, forty. Uh, yeah, almost yeah. two. Two thirds of my life have been sitting in the seat of a truck, at, you know, <laughs> at some duration of each and every day or most every day. Right. So almost 40 years. How many miles have you driven? Do you know? I don't know exactly, but it's uh, it's uh, I'm approaching three million miles. It's 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 somewhere over two and a half, but not quite three million miles. Wow. And yeah, it's a lot of miles. And most of those miles, or at least a good chunk, at least when I was living there and now, are kind of lo- smaller routes, maybe yeah. Yeah, Utah, uh, in Idaho, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right now, I, matter of fact, uh, just run southern Idaho. Mm-hmm. I've just kept the good customers, and, and through the years, you know, some have come and went, and I've held on to some, and and those that we're working with now are kind of the the good customers that uh, that are good to work with and appreciate um, you know, uh, people's efforts. And so we've, uh, got a good client base right now that keeps us within Southern Idaho. And, and so our miles are, are, are still, uh, you know, four to 500 miles a day, but we're never more than, you know, 200 miles from home right. at any given time. So yeah, it's, it's kind of, uh, where we, uh, would like to see ourselves be here for the next few years. And, and, uh, have kind of worked towards this end. 
in the 40 years though have you were there times when you were what they would call long haul truck driving Did you oh do? yeah yeah i've ran you know i've went, ran all of the western you know united states texas and and uh to california to washington to uh to um north dakota you know so that basically the western united states i have ran mm-hmm. there was quite a few years there that uh that we ran you know uh seven or eight trucks and mm-hmm. and we're going you know interstate and had clients uh that needed uh customers that needed freight haul to texas and back and so we got ourselves set up to do that to meet the demands of uh, requirements of our customers and and we did that for a few years and and uh and then as the economy changed and stuff that developed into something else and and uh now we're back down to two trucks and kind of trying to slow it down a little bit and and uh just be a little closer to home and so it's just kind of all worked out that way and it's uh and and you know hopefully that uh, we can continue on here for a few years and and take her out to retirement and and do what we're doing now Hmm. of the 40 years have all of them have you always been owner operator or were there was there a time you drove for somebody else at all well there was a year when I was first starting out that I drove somebody else's truck, but, uh, it, it didn't last very long. Uh, uh, cause my, my goals have always been to own my own equipment. And so when the opportunities came that we could buy a small farm and, and run and maintain a couple trucks to help supplement that, uh, we did it. And mm-hmm. so uh, for, for a year or two, we were, uh, employed by others but uh uh as soon as we saw the opportunity and it came along we took it to become independent and, and own our own uh piece of farm ground and own our own trucks and and slowly grew and ended up like i said at one time you know with seven or eight trucks mm-hmm. and, and then then scaled back to two trucks and so it's just been a, a progression you know you mm-hmm. you grow and then then uh, the economy changed and stuff like that. We were forced to downsize, and we did, and, and it's been good. So, hmm. yeah. Have you always wanted to go into trucking, or was there a time before trucking when you thought you might do something else? Oh, you know, I went to college and always thought that maybe something along that line, something in the engineering field or, or business field would would catch my eye, but it, it, it didn't. And uh, just kind of had a passion for kind of a uh, more of a agricultural-based rural type setting for living and working out of, and and so we ended up moving back to the place that I was born and raised and grew up, and and uh, uh, you know just always had a passion for for trucks and and uh, and a desire to to run them and and maintain them and, and, uh, you know, just use them as a tool to accomplish my goals. And so that's that, you know, like, like a carpenter or plumber has their, their tools. I've, I've had my tools and those have, uh, have been large over, you know, large over the road trucks. Hmm. Did, where did the desire come from? Did, you know, grandpa, right? He kind of dabbled, yeah, you know, dabbled my dad, a little bit. Yeah. My dad dabbled in trucks and had neighbors that had trucks and, kind of got uh kind of got the bug you know so to speak and and then it just kind of st- 
starts to pump in your veins and, you know, just like anything that, that uh, just kind of brings you, you know, uh, joy and contentment and, and you don't mind uh, working at, and uh, then it becomes something that almost uh, can, can consume you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and you have to be careful that you don't let it do that, that it right. doesn't master you, that you can still control it and it doesn't control you. But for the most part, that's, we've been able to do that. There's been years that, you know, that I've probably spent too much time, uh, on the business side of it. But, uh, but nonetheless, it was always rewarding for me and, and enjoyable and, and found great, great contentment in doing it. And so it was, it never seemed like, uh, you know, a, a job, uh, you know, so to speak, mm-hmm. other than just uh, fulfilling uh, and pursuing uh, of, a, of a passion. Right. So speaking of, uh, you know, control, you know, not, not letting it control you, but one thing I want to ask you, there was a time there, okay, you were running eight trucks, you had a farm, you had two kids who were in school, you taught Sunday school at church. And you were a county commissioner. Right. How in the world did you do all that? <laughs> well, that was a, a time in my life where uh, where I had the skill set and the, the ability to to multitask and manage that and, and kind of, uh, you know, allocate a certain amount of time to each one. And... Uh, I don't know, my kids might disagree with me, but I felt like I was able to uh, do very well and and not neglect one or or let one fall. But uh, after 16 years as a county commissioner, I could see that that that, uh, ability to manage that was becoming more laborious and, uh, you know, almost felt like I wasn't succeeding. So, it was time to start, you know, thinning out or unloading the plate a bit. And so I never, you know, I, I didn't run as commissioner, uh, kind of retired from that. And, and it's just, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a challenge uh, to have that many, uh, you know, different items on the plate and trying to keep everything going. But it was one that I found very rewarding. And as I look back, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything different, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it is, it's a challenge. And anybody that's been self-employed and, and tried to involve himself in what's going on in the community. And of course with his family, you know, knows that there is, it can be very rewarding, but mm-hmm. again, uh, you have to, as, as uh, you know, as our skills and, and passions change, you know, we have to make sure that, that one, of, you know, one of the things that we've attached ourselves to doesn't again become the thing that that starts to control you. And so, it, when you when you see yourself not controlling it and it becomes controlling you, then you have to take a real close look at changing the parameters a bit. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've done. You know, I'm not doing half of what I used to do, right, right. and and still and I and I feel more overwhelmed now, <laughs> believe it or not, wow. with the kids gone, with the kids gone, and and not being a county commissioner and and only running two trucks, to me, there's days that seem more overwhelming uh, now than than uh, times back then. But that's mm. that's just that's just par for the course, I think, with aging and and uh, you know you, you, 
have other things that come into your life, like grandkids and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so you change your priorities and, and, uh, hopefully you get, you get yourself in the position where financially you can make decisions that, uh, might free up more time and, uh, and, and yet still meet your obligations financially. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a planning, it's a process that you kind of plan for and, and, you know, God willing, you know, um, you, you can keep your health and and keep your finances in order, and and the economy will, of course, plays a big part on that, and and you know, the ups and downs with that uh, will dictate, you know, uh, how much time you can spend on one thing or another. And so, right now, I'm having to, you know, we took the summer off and enjoyed our times with our kids and grandkids, and mm-hmm. you know, that time has passed. Now it's back to back to work and, and, you know, just meet it with the same passion and, and, uh, uh, seeking satisfaction in doing that just as much as we did this, uh, you know, spending time with the grandkids this last summer, summer. So it's just being able to find contentment in whatever it is that you're needing to do and be able to hit it a hundred percent with, with all you've got and, and, uh, and, and, and be satisfied sometimes with, whatever it is that you happen to deal with at any given time. Was there ever a moment, because you mentioned passion a lot of times there, um, was there ever a time in the 40 years where passion was harder to come by, where you thought, like, maybe this is, you know... Well, maybe yeah. Uh, yeah. Certainly. Uh, there was a time when I recognized that having seven or eight trucks, uh, there was a time that that was my desire and, and, and God granted me the desires of my heart and we had them and, and we did well with them. But there was also a time when uh, the stress of, of, of the drivers and, and the stuff, you know, you come to realize that, uh, you, you know, that it's time to pursue something else. And so, yeah, passions change. Uh, and, and when, when the, uh, I've always felt that if you can't passionately pursue something, then maybe you shouldn't be pursuing it at all. Hmm. And so that's when you start to redirect some of your efforts a bit. And, and like I said, the economy sometimes plays into that a bit. And, you know, fuel prices have always been right. a, a large factor in what we do in government regulations. And so as uh, fuel prices have changed and government, government regulations are always getting uh, more intrusive and more complex, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, it, it, it drives you towards, something a little different and of course uh two trucks uh takes less uh less paperwork and less involvement than mine so you know we worked our way back to where we didn't have to worry about seven or eight drivers out on the road and and so yeah our passions changed and Mm -hmm. and uh you know uh, you know just the direction that we that we pointed our passions in changed and a bit and 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 so we just uh you know i wouldn't say that we've ever really changed courses we've just adjusted courses okay along so the way it was along, never along that it was never a thought of leaving trucking completely it was oh just, no okay oh no because it, it it once it starts you know anything it, you know anything that you know becomes a part of a person's life is is very tough uh to just absolutely you know, pull away from a hundred percent, but that doesn't mean you can't redirect mm-hmm. some of your time and effort and uh, that you, that you devote to various things. But 
but no, it was never, never it was always a, a course adjustment. It was never, you know, let's let's bail and, and start right. over okay. uh, on, on a new course, but it, certainly there have been course adjustments along the way. Okay. Uh, in, so 40 years in the trucking industry, um, what has been, what, is, what are like the biggest changes that you've seen in 40 years in the industry? Well, uh, a lot of things, of course, are driven by profitability, but a lot, uh, a lot of things have been driven by uh, safety regulations and fuel economy mm-hmm. and safety concerns. And so the biggest thing has just been probably, and it's, and it's probably anybody that's self-employed and, and running a business would agree with this, I would, I would say to some extent, has just been government regulations mm-hmm. and, you know, in safety regulations and uh, hours of service, amount of time you can spend on the road, right. mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, weights that you can carry, loads that you can haul, places that, you know, every, every aspect of the trucking business is regulated by either a state or federal agency, mm-hmm. you know, to, to how much you can carry, how much, uh, how much uh, time you can spend on the road, where you can park, where you can't park, uh, what you can haul, what you can't haul, mm-hmm. are all regulated. And so somewhere you got to find a niche in there right. that meets the, the government criteria but still allows you a sense of freedom and independence and an opportunity <clears throat> to be profitable mm-hmm. because the bottom line is you, you it, even though you enjoy it and it's your passion, it still has to be profitable to you know, so that you can, you know, raise a family and, and, uh, maintain, uh, your equipment and, 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 and hopefully someday head towards retirement. But, right. but I would say the biggest thing that has changed is just the amount of government regulations, sure. uh, dictating the various aspects. And a lot of them are legitimate safety concerns and the like, but a lot of times, you know, uh, they, uh, it can go a little too far. Uh, a good thing can become a bad thing right. uh, when you got people who are dictating, writing rules that really don't understand, you know, the the different aspects of a uh, of a business. But, right. but nonetheless, it's that that would I would say would be the the single thing would be government regulation. Yeah. What about uh, technologically? What changes have well, that's the- that's. Oh yeah, that that's been a, a big a big thing, and of course, that's been driven by, you know, the the need to uh, uh, economize, and so trucks have become more efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, uh, fuel mileage has had to increase because mm-hmm. of ge- government regulation. Emission controls uh, have uh, have uh, become tighter. Uh, emission uh, requirements. And so as a result, uh, the trucking industry has become a computerized technology, and trucks are now just like cars, are you know, ran by computers, right. and uh, and everything is monitored by computers. And, mm-hmm. and as a matter of fact, most trucks are satellite yeah. connected, and so most trucks are monitored by somebody at a, sitting at a desk somewhere that can monitor every aspect uh, of the truck as mm-hmm. it's operating down the road from the amount of miles and hours he's been in service that day to uh, average speed and, and fuel economy and right. all of so that it, it's it's a hot, become 
uh, highly technical and uh, computerized and monitored business. Can they, this is uh, something I just now thought about, can they shut down a truck over the... They can. Wow. Yeah, they can. They can... Uh, they can derate trucks or, you know, send a code to the truck to not exceed a certain mile per hour or mm-hmm. to, you know, power down. I mean, because of safety concerns, you right. can't just shut a truck off that's headed down the road. <laughs> right, right, right. But you can certainly, but you certainly can restrict, you know, uh, how fast it can go and and derate it and, and those kind of things. And, and ultimately, you could shut a truck could be shut down that's hooked into uh, satellite telemetry. Hmm. But of course, that would only be done. Well, it's on not a, Yeah, on a worst case scenario. Right. Wow. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're tracked. The, the trucks are tracked by satellite. Wow. And all and government loads that are hauled for the Department of Defense or anything mm-hmm. like oh, that. Yeah. Yep. Are, are are monitored, yeah, so that in case a truck is off course or somewhere it shouldn't be, they they're alerted at that. Mm, wow. <clears throat> so in forty years of driving, I bet you've seen some really interesting things happen in the on the road. You got any <laughs> got any kind of from crazy day to day? Stories? It's just it's just the, the just the poor decisions that people make that are out there on sharing the road with you. Right. Just. And 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 recognizing that uh, there's going to be somebody out there that's not paying attention, and just mm-hmm. recognizing that you've got to be on the defensive at all times, and that if you are in a wreck, you're probably going to carry the 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 the, the, uh, the blame because right. you're the you know you're the professional and you're the larger vehicle, and you should right. know better. And why why did you even though that person did that, why did you find yourself in a place where you know, he hit you, and you know, so it's it's always that. Right. But uh, it's it's just amazed at some of the people what you see people doing out on the road rather than you know attending to the business of driving down the road. Right. How but, do you uh, how just, do you maintain alertness driving so long and so? I mean, how does a guy keep up with well, that? Of course, well, of course, you're just taking breaks, but it just yeah. becomes a part of your metabolism, mm-hmm. and of course, just. You know, there's there's routines of drinking water or, you know, drinking coffee or chewing gum or turning up the radio or, or you know, just it, it's just uh, getting yourself practiced just like any athlete or anybody that does anything that's, you know, that has to do something for a, a period of time is just pacing yourself and knowing what your limits are and your abilities are and not try to exceed that and when it when you see yourself becoming unsafe, do the, you know, make the right choice and, and pull over and take a break or, or, uh, give it a break and start again tomorrow. So it's just, it's just being aware of what you can do, what, what your limitations are and, and, uh, and then just pacing yourself to do it. And mm-hmm. just like any other, you know, just like an athlete or anybody else, just, just, uh, monitor yourself and, and know what your conditions are. How do you, integrate your faith and spirituality into what you do? Well, of course, everything I do, I do for the Lord. And so it's all, you know, God granted me the desires of my heart when I was young and allowed me to be doing what I'm doing uh, 
uh, you know, to as part of uh, fulfilling the gifts that he gave me. And so I, you know, for me, everything I do is for the Lord. Even when I serve others uh, by delivering their loads timely and in, in a good fashion, I, you know, I, I, I take it great pride in that <clears throat> personally, but I also know that it, it's a gift from God and, <clears throat> and, uh, and that I'm fulfilling part of my ministry in serving others by doing that. And so it's just, again, it's just a tool that I use. Trucking is a tool that I use to fulfill my purpose, uh, God-given purpose. And, and I see myself as fulfilling uh, a need for others and, and doing it in such a way that, uh, that, uh, that glorifies God. So hmm. I, I try to be timely and, and deliver loads uh, when the customer wants it and how he wants it. And so that, uh, it's good for business, but it's also good for, for, uh, the, the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. because as we serve one another, I think we fulfill, yeah. uh, the commandment of God to love one another. Do you have time? I mean, you, you have a lot of time when you're on the road where you're alone. Do you think deep thoughts? Is that a chance for you to <laughs> wrestle with the complexities of life? Oh, absolutely. You know, that's, I don't know if you read Janelle's post uh, today, your sister's post. Uh, you know, she said that this is just an, this is an opportunity for dad for mile after mile to just sit there and think things through and, and uh, enjoy the moments. And, uh, and I do, uh, uh, that that is one of the advantages of being able to sit in the cab of a truck for eight hours a day, mm-hmm. mile after mile, if if you know the weather conditions and traffic conditions allow. You do have opportunities to think things through, and and of course I listen to a lot of audio books, and mm-hmm. now with my phone I'm able to download a lot of the classics, and and I've listened to a lot of of uh, you know. A lot of books and and uh, that you know that I never would have read, but uh, so mm-hmm. I've been able to do a lot of audio books, uh, Sherlock Holmes, and, you know, mm-hmm. Arthur Conan Doyle, and mm-hmm. and um, the Time Machine, and and the War of the Worlds, and and so uh, of course the Treasure Island, you know, just all of them. I could go on and on, just books that I would never have had time to have read mm-hmm. because of the occupation that I'm in, right. but. Uh, I really can because of the availability on on my phone and uh, just listen to a lot of the classics and, and think about them and, you know, heard a lot about books, never had an opportunity to read a lot of books, unlike yourself, but uh, it has given me a chance to, to do some audio reading and, uh, and then think things through and, and of course, you know, just... Uh, step back and reflect upon, you know, what might have happened or what's going to happen. And, and hopefully you can devise a plan or a, an approach that's a little more level-headed than if you just yeah. had to just jump right into it. So, yeah, yeah, the, the, the amount of time on the road is good for – I'm not sure that I'm a deep thinker, but uh, I can sure think things through and usually – given enough time, can come up with something, that, a strategy that I think can be successful. Mm. Yeah. I heard that you can also put podcasts on your phone, so if you ever want to check out. <laughs> I believe you're right. <laughs> I believe there's plenty of podcasts out there, and you and you have one or two yourself, if I remember right. 
So yes. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and then of course I can also listen to tape uh, messages that pastors have too. Yeah, so yeah. I can. Mm-hmm. So I there's plenty of plenty of li- to listen to out there. There's the there is a information loaded, uh, heavy loaded world, and so that has with with uh, cell phones and uh, and uh, you know good cell coverage. Um, I can have anything anything that anybody else can have i can have at my fingertips at 65 miles an hour down the road so that's and that's another big thing too is just uh communication and the ability you know it used to be that you had to set at a payphone at a truck stop waiting for somebody to call or mm-hmm. you kept calling back every half hour until you got a hold of somebody and <laughs> you know and that that's just a thing of the past that's and that's another big improvement as oh, yeah. can, the, the communication factor of just being able to stay in touch, you know, just 24 oh, seven yeah. and, uh, and, and really, uh, and with a, a, a few rare occasions, you know, uh, of course we live in, in, in a place where they don't have a hundred percent of cell coverage, but there's very few places you can't be in touch with somebody at some right. time. Right. Yeah. I remember when, I remember when we first got the, the phones for the trucks and they were all those bag phones with yeah. the, the great big bag phones. And then I can remember, uh, some of the truck drivers weren't, uh, weren't very conservative in their use of the phone. I think I remember there was a couple That's of them. Right. <laughs> Only be over by about six, $700 a month. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's all changed too. And right. just the plans and everything going along with it so much better. That's right. Uh, okay. I wonder if you could share, there's a, story that I sometimes still I, I use in sermons as an illustration sometimes that you told me and I wonder if you could tell it about a gentleman who was struggling with his trailer and you were behind him uh, he was trying to unload and he was struggling and it wasn't going very good and you could tell something was wrong oh, you want to tell yeah. that t- tell us that story yeah yeah that's right I forgot about that but yeah I was in line to unload behind a fellow but as I as I was waiting for him, I could see that he wasn't getting a lot of comfort on getting his hopper trailer unloaded over a pit at uh, Simplots, actually, down in, in Caldwell. And it was a brand-new trailer, and I, and I saw this guy start beating on his trailer with a hammer, denting it up. And so I got out and went and talked to him, and he had been trying to unload since uh, the day before and hadn't been able to get it unloaded, so they held him over night and now he was there halfway through the next day and still hadn't really gotten much more than half of his trailer unloaded mm. and and a lot of the help around there would just walk by and here's this guy just laboring away and not getting much done and and just looked like he was distressed and so i went and talked to him and asked him what I could do to help and, and what, and I said, you're being a little hard on this, this new trailer. And, and he, he shared with me that, uh, I might not get it exactly right because it's, it's been a while, but, uh, I believe it was his daughter or a, a really close relative, if not his daughter had passed away the day before or something like that. And he'd gotten news of it and, and, uh, was really, really uh, needing to be out of there and on his way, but he couldn't, he had kind of lost 
his sense just the senses just a little bit. But anyway, I jumped out and told me getting his truck and and I'd work on getting his load unloaded and and if he would just pull forward and back up every once in a while, I'd let him know. And anyway, we got him unloaded in about twenty thirty minutes and got him on his way so he could go attend to his uh, his sibling or a rel- really close relative that. It, uh, that had passed away, hmm. but but what was most disturbing was everybody around uh, just kept walking by and wouldn't give him any assistance. And I went and told them as uh, as I left the people at the office that uh, they'd let that guy sit there for two days hmm. and uh, without giving him any help. And the guy was really going through a tough time. And I said that you know we got to we got to do better on keeping track of one another than that. And they, and they kind of felt kind of bad, but mm-hmm. that, that, that's kind of, that's, you know, without having sat down and thought about it a bit, that's kind of what comes to mind. But, but yeah, well, you know, we got to kind of watch out for one another. And when we see somebody in distress, it, it doesn't hurt just to communicate a bit and see if there's something we can do. That's probably not too much out of our way that, in the end, ultimately benefits us as well because by me helping him and getting him going basically allowed me to get there mm-hmm. and get unloaded a little faster myself. And so rather than step back and just complain about the fact that the guy wasn't doing a very good job of getting unloaded, I went up and offered the guy some assistance and and, and, and shared some of the guy's burden. I think we need to do that with one another. Yeah, yep. Ah, it's a good story. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Dad. I'll let you go. To you bet. Bed. You probably are wanting to get hit the hay. It's ten twenty there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're tomorrow. I'm gonna work uh, half a day tomorrow and then head home. So. Alrighty. I'll well, be then. home. Be home tomorrow afternoon. All right. Thanks, Dad. I appreciate it. And yeah, I and don't forget. Go ahead. What's that? Well, what were you gonna say? Yeah, don't forget. Sun. I think Sunday's your sister's birthday. That's right. Yeah, it's the whole time up here. <laughs> so don't forget to give her a call. Okay. <laughs> All right. Dad. Well, thanks right. for the call. All right. We'll see you. Bye. Bye. Roll on high.